welcome to our service this morning. Would you please stand? And together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing. Hark the herald angels sing, and then angels we have heard on high. Angels we have heard. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, we come before you and Lord, we do count our blessings and we do want to lift up and exalt the newborn King. As we go through the month of December and each Sunday as we work closer to Christmas Sunday, I do pray, Lord, that you help us in every way to lift you up, to point others to you. Help us to not focus on all the chaos of running and chasing about, but help us this morning instead to just rest in you. 
We thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.
Savior, and you may remain seated. Pastor always tells me you'll like me better if I let you stay seated. Wonderful, merciful Savior. Wonderful, merciful Savior. Save us all. Indeed. 
sits a crown of thorns, and now the scene is made complete. The purpose of this little child, that the world may be redeemed. The reason for the manger was the cross. The holy child was sent to save us all. with me, if you would, please. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read to you verses 1 down through 12. And uh, as I read down through, I'm going to point out a couple things in the text. But our overall goal this morning in the text or title of the message is that wise people still seek Christ. Wise people still seek Christ. But I'm going to show you a little bit of a contrast in the text because it is interesting as we read about the wise men coming to find Jesus, we also encounter King Herod. And the contrast between the two is the wise men compared to the foolish. And I'm going to just point out a couple things about the foolishness of King Herod and how that we still today, we encounter that kind of foolishness. People who are opposed to Jesus, people who stand up against the Lord, people who want to do harm to Christ, people who lie about Christ. Uh, all of those things were part of Herod's repertoire in his dealing with the wise men and uh, trying to steer things to go his way. So as I read down the text, I'm going to touch on those things, but let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll look at the Bible. <laughs> Father in heaven, I pray that you be with us this morning as we look into these scriptures. I ask that you help us to draw from them truths that we might understand and know better the world we live in, understand the battle that surrounds Christmas and Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, help us to be wise people. Help us to be wise as we seek Christ. In his name we pray, amen. amen. Matthew chapter 2, it tells us, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, 
saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Very interesting. People are still troubled by Jesus Christ. They still struggle with the gospel. They struggle with the message of Jesus Christ, just as Herod did all the way back at that time. Verse 4, it says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search diligently for the young child. When ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. It's interesting to me that Herod would so boldly lie. He had no intention of going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the baby in the manger. He had all intention of killing his rival. And it is interesting how people will war against the gospel because it doesn't make them comfortable. It challenges who they are. Maybe it challenges their mindset. Maybe it challenges their lifestyle. Maybe it challenges their influence and power like Herod is concerned about here. But here he lies, he connives, he manipulates. Look at what, he, what the, our text continues to go on and say to us. Verse 9. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And they saw the star. They rejoiced with, with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Title of the message again is Wise People See Christ. We see the contrast between Herod and Herod was a great king all-powerful, extremely intelligent, highly immoral. Even still today, when you go to the land of Israel, you can go and see some of the most amazing things that Herod constructed. He's famous for building Caesarea by the sea. It was at that time the world's largest man-made port for ships to come in and unload and leave. Can you imagine? And then Herod is also famous for building a upon the top of a mountain, Masada. Masada became most important in writings when the Jews had a final stand against Rome. They used Masada to stand against Rome. But it was built by Herod the king. He built it for himself. And on top of that mountain, in a desert area, he built an entire system that would gather enough rain in cisterns to support a whole culture on top of a mountain. He built, I think it was three palaces on top of Masada. All the water came from rain that he channeled in in a desert land. 
He was a genius when it came to building things, uh, coordinating, making business happen. But morally, he was absolutely bankrupt. And when it came to Jesus Christ, he was opposed. How opposed? So opposed that he connived and murdered all those who might be the child Christ just so that he would not be threatened in his power. Our point is to look in this text and understand that wise people still seek Christ. You can be highly intelligent like Herod was, but morally bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. But wise people still look at Christ and say, I need to know. I need to understand. I need to grasp why he came and what he came to do. And so we see these wise people, these wise men who came, they sought out Jesus. And we also must still seek to know him. When you start in verse two there, it says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Sandra Joe and I, the other evening, we were chatting about this very text. And she asked me, she said, you know, Tim, I, I read literature and it gives us the names of the three wise men. Where does that come from? And I told her, I said, I don't ever remember any place in the Bible that gives us the name of the wise men. So I went to Google, not the Bible. <laughs> and I said, Google, where, does, where did people come up with the names of the wise men? And they said, they just made them up. We don't know the names of the wise men. And while we were at it, we talked about the three wise men. How do we know there were three? And I thought about it and I said, I don't remember any place in the Bible where it tells us three wise men. So where did we get that? Sadly, I had to go to Google. I said, Google, where did we come up with the three wise men? And it said, we made it up. We came up with the three wise men because there's a reference to three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so people said, well, surely, you know, one guy carried gold, one guy called carried frankincense, and one guy carried myrrh, so there had to be three. But we don't know. But there are things that we do know about the wise men. We do know that they sought Jesus Christ. And you and I this morning, we come to God's house because we seek to know him. We seek to worship him and draw near to him. And yes, throughout the generations, throughout the centuries, people continue to seek Christ. In fact, we understand that all around, he is proclaimed. He is exalted and lifted up. In fact, by nature itself, turn with me if you would, to Psalm 19. I want you to look with me at Psalm 19, verses 1 down through 5. Listen to our text this morning. Psalm 19, verses 1 down through 5. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament she with his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. 
There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is, his, is as the bridegroom coming out of his chamber, rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. When we look at this text, it's talking about how that God is proclaimed in nature. From the very heavens above, he proclaims his presence. He declares his, glor his glory. Even down to the firmament of the earth, God is proclaimed. And when you and I, the, the other night, I, I, I went outside the... It was an incredible moon. Did you see the moon the other evening? It was an amazing moon. And the moon proclaims God's hand at work for me. Other people are trying to find other explanations. I read an article the other day that they're getting ready to set up uh, yet one more transmission station to listen for aliens in outer space. And this is real science that's taking place. They have already had since back, I think it was in the 50s, they built the first most amazing electronic receiving device to listen for communication of aliens from outer space. And in all these years, there's been no communication. So I was reading an article that among scientists, they said, why? With all our technology and all our ability to reach into the outer spheres of the, of the universes, why are we not hearing something? Well, let's build another one. Maybe we will hear. So they're building another one, a bigger, better one, to hear. But one of the scientists in the meeting said, but why? Why, why after all this time, why are we not hearing? And my simple answer is, what you are hearing is God saying he's the creator. He created the heavens and the earth. He created men and women, put us upon the earth. He created life that he himself might be glorified and exalted. I'm not going to waste my time waiting to hear Martians talk or reach out to us. But I do want to seek to know the creator who created that moon I saw the other night, who create, created those incredible stars that proclaim his presence. And that what, that's what our text says. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. No matter where you go in the corners of the world, no matter what dark place you might find yourself in, the heavens declare God's presence. And then he says, all the way down to the firmament, down to the earth, we see God's presence proclaimed. I was reading an article the other day about evolution, and they were talking about how that evolution continues and continues to search and to search. And how that some of the evolutionary scientists are becoming very frustrated because they cannot link the, the blanks in their system of, of philosophy. 
And decades pass, decades pass of searching a way to link them. And they're becoming more and more frustrated because they can't link them. I'm not frustrated at all. I see it as a flawed system. There's a creator God. And when I look at the earth, I see the handiwork of that creator God. And so when we read this text, it reminds us that we must continue to seek him because nature itself proclaims he is there. He is the creator God. And it's interesting when you come to the New Testament, it teaches us that we live and move in his midst. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 17, because sometimes we forget how very close God is to us. Those wise men, they saw the star afar and they studied and researched and they said, let's go. There's prophecies that talk about this event. Let's go and see this child, this governor, this one sent from God. You and I, we have the privilege of opening our Bible and reading the scriptures and understanding the Old Testament prophecies and how they tie to the new. We understand that Jesus Christ came not for his sin, but for our sin, that he might live, die, be crucified, buried, resurrected for you and I. We have that ability to understand who he is. But sometimes we forget that we live and move in his midst, that he is ever so near. Look with me in Acts chapter 17. Here we find the Apostle Paul preaching on Mars Hill. He's preaching to the philosophers of the Greco-Roman world of that day. The Grecians are standing down there as he comes up upon Mars Hill and he preaches down towards them. Listen to what he says in Acts 17, verses 26 down through uh, 28. And God hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For we, for, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. We are of his offspring. So we find in the scriptures that God reminds us, we live and breathe in the midst of God. He is not far from us. All we have to do is reach out and respond. Revelation 3.20 reminds us of the text that Jesus Christ said, I stand at the door and knock. He says simply, if you will go ahead and hear me and let me in, I will come in and sup with you. But we can be like Herod. We can choose to be like Herod. And we can go ahead and, and connive and lie and manipulate and reject. We can be so angry and hateful that we would kill and remove. Or we can be wise and say, I do live and move in the midst of the very presence of God. And I do hear God knock at my heart's door. Herod had every opportunity. He knew. He had every opportunity. 
But he refused. He rejected. He fought against it. But the wise men, they heard the knock of Old Testament prophecy. They saw the knock of a miraculous star that pointed the way. They understood the draw of the knock on their heart to get up and to go. And they went. Romans 10.13 tells us, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a choice. The wise men chose to get up and to go and to seek and to find. We choose. We decide. It's no different than Herod. He got up every day, put on his gold-lined jammies or took them off and put on his gold-lined pants or took them off or whatever he did. Just like you and I every day. But he chose to war against Jesus Christ while the wise men chose to seek him. We live and move in the midst and the presence of God. We make a choice whether we seek to find him and walk with him as the wise man or whether we war and fight against him as Herod did. We must also rejoice in him. You know, the wise men, they, they got up and they went to seek. But when you go back with me to the text there in Matthew chapter 2, you note as you come down to verse 10, it says that when they came and found him, they rejoiced. You and I, too, we must rejoice. It's part of the celebration of Christ and the celebration of Christmas. We should find joy in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. These wise men, as they came, they rejoiced even as the lame man who was healed by Jesus when he was able to walk. Even as the blind man who was given his sight when Jesus healed him and he could see, so he rejoiced. Even as the deaf man, upon receiving the ability to hear, so you and I should rejoice. When Christ changes our life, when he gives us new hope, new vision, new dream, new bounce in our step, we should rejoice in our Lord Jesus Christ. These wise men, when they found that babe, when they found that child, they rejoiced. It goes on to tell us in verse 11 that they worshiped. You see, it's not enough to rejoice. It's not all about the party. Sometimes if we're not careful, we want everything to be just a party. And a party's fun too, but it can't all be a party, can it? The other day, we had the most amazing thing happen this year when we got ready to do trunk or treat. Trunk or treat requires a ton of candy. Because when we do trunk or treat, we have, uh, how many, Ashley, how many trunks did we have out here this year? Somewhere between 30 and 34. So 30 and 34 trunks, we prepare for 200 children. So you have to have 34 times 200 pieces of candy. So as we were getting a little closer to trunk or treat this year, uh, we were doing the numbers on the candy 
And I said, I, I think Ashley said to me, I think we need to order some candy, buy some candy. I said, well, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not sure. It's, you know, I'm telling you, people come through, we'll see. And so anyways, we finally decided, well, let's go ahead and place an order for candy. And I think we ordered like 2,000 pieces of candy or something. Yeah. <laughs> so we went on Walmart and we went ahead and ordered a case of these giant bags of candy. And remind me while I'm, why I'm telling this story when I'm done. <laughs> so we order all this candy and we know we have a deadline. It's got to be here by that. It's no good to us the day after, right? We're not calling them back. So we place the order. They guaranteed delivery. We get like a day before and they contact us and say, it will not be delivered on the day, but the day after. I said, cancel the order. We're not going to pay for it. So what are we going to do with a case of 2000, right? So she goes on, she cancels the order and they contact and say, well, then you don't have to pay for it, but it's still on the way you can have it. Thought, wow. Man, what a party we're going to have. <laughs> now, that's, that's where it started. But, I mean, can you imagine John, Ashley, and I eating 2,000 pieces of candy? Amen. <laughs> you know, the party sounds good, but it would not last. So I said to Sandra Joe the other day, I said, well, listen, let's do a giant pinata for the kids for Christmas party this year. Because I love a Christmas party, but 2,000 pieces of candy for a handful of kids can't do that. No, that's not going to work. So we have gone ahead and scheduled out. We've got things planned that we're going to do all the way till Easter, because this candy doesn't go bad until after Easter. <laughs> That we're going to figure out. But a party is fun, but it can't be all about the party, can it? So when you come down in here, it says to us that the wise men rejoiced. That was the party. But then they worshipped. Verse 11, if you'll look with me at verse 11, it says that they worshipped the Lord. And you know, that's an important part of who we are as seekers of Christ. Yes, we rejoice in Jesus. Yes, we celebrate. But yes, we worship. We come together and we humble our hearts. We come together and bend our knee. We come together and lift up our voices and our souls to worship the Lord. Because we know and love Him. Because He knows and loves us. It's an important part of our identity as people who are wise enough to seek Christ. And yes, there are, there are tough things that come down the road that hamper the party or maybe affect the worship. But we are still compelled to celebrate. And we are still compelled from within our hearts to worship because we have found the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, he was not hard to find because we live and move in his midst. And yes, he is only a prayer or way to call upon him 
that we might be saved. But we must not let the simplicity of the gospel hinder our worship and our celebration. And last of all, I want you to look and I want you to see with me in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 2. Listen to verse 12. In being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. It's an interesting thing that we, as, a, as we live our lives, how many Herods we encounter in our life. Who war against our faith, war against our church, war against Jesus Christ, war against God, war against our morality. A list can go on, can it? But we have to be wise enough to listen to the Lord. And that's what these wise men did. It tells us, being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. They didn't go back to Herod. Why? Well, the wise men weren't really sure. It doesn't say that the wise men said to themselves, well, we know that Herod's going to try to kill the Christ child. No, it just tells us they heard and listened to the message of God in their heart, and they avoided Herod. And in our lives, we need to be wise enough to listen. You know, every, every once in a while, somebody will ask me, well, pastor, why don't you get involved in this fight, some public issue, some public fight? And you know, I pray about those things and I listen and I think to myself, what is my real calling? Anybody know? to preach the gospel. I could fight from here until kingdom come about every public social issue, moral issue, political issue, financial issue. They all interest me, but it's not my call. My call is the gospel. It's to minister to you and to your children and to your grandchildren, to minister Jesus. Now do those other things touch us and affect us? They do. And I, every once in a while, touch upon them. But it's not my call. If I was called to that, I'd be a politician. I'd be a sociologist. I'd be whatever. But my call is the gospel. You and I, in our lives, we have to make choices and decisions all the time. I could spend all my time warring, warring, warring with society's decline. But my greater goal is to win to Christ, every person I can. As the world spirals, I want to be able to show them that there is hope, there is foundational truth. Come, seek Jesus, find Him, that you might rejoice in worship and find spiritual stability. That's my goal. Here, these wise, these wise men, whether three or 30, we do not know. Might have been a bunch of them carrying gold, I don't know. What their name was, I do not know. But I do know that they were people who sought to know what God had shown in Old Testament prophecy in their current day that Jesus Christ was born. And they needed to understand.
so they went. You and I, through this Christmas season, I want to challenge you. Help me to point people to the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. I love the party. I do. I love Christmas. One of my favorite times of year. I love to see the ugly sweaters. And I'd point some out in here this morning, but I'm not going <laughs> to. You know, I love that old thing. I, I took Sandra Joe up. She had to go buy some stuff to finish the costumes for the three wise men. And so I'm sitting outside of Joanne's fabric in my truck because I have no interest to go in. <laughs> but I'm sitting there. And this lady came out of Joanne's fabric. I think every craft known to mankind was on that sweater. <laughs> she came out and it just made me smile. I just thought, that is so great. And she proudly wore it. Her husband was a good 10 steps ahead of her. <laughs> I love the party. But how desperately people need the worship. They need that worship. They need to hear from God. I challenge you as we continue through the month of December. And we draw closer to that Christmas Sunday morning. I love the years when Christmas falls on Sunday morning. Reach out to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Tell them what better way to start your Christmas day than to come and worship the one it's all about. Help me. Let's reach out to our neighbors, our friends, our family. Let's come worship him. Christmas morning, Sunday, Christmas morning. Pray with me that Christmas Sunday morning, we have lots of wise people coming to seek Jesus. Amen? Amen. John's going to close us in a, a, a chorus. I'm going to close us in prayer. Lord, I pray that you be with us as we go forth. I see that it's snowing lightly. I pray, Lord, that you give all, everybody, safety on the road. Help us, Lord, to be, be able to return tonight and to just celebrate, enjoy, take in all that the boys and girls have to give tonight as they have practiced and worked so hard. We thank you, Lord, for our church family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah.